Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America Wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 1233 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer with you in Oilers Now, along with Brendan S. Scott, uh, our guests on today's show. Brian Lawton from the NHL Network, Edmonton Oilers head coach. Dave Tippett will be coming up at 105 today, and we'll hear from John Shannon as well. Uh, we head off to the state of hockey. I believe he's currently still in uh, Minneapolis as, or uh, in uh, Minnesota as we speak. We welcome back to the show the number one pick in the 1983 NHL entry draft, Brian Lawton. Brian, how you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, we should have had tips in Minnesota as well. I had a lovely conversation with him about cleaning up his cabin yesterday. Hopefully he's in a better mood today for you guys. Yeah, uh, it's uh, his now. His cabin's several. Nothing happened to his cabin, right? It's got nothing to do with any of the protesting or rioting that's taking place currently in that state. No, his cabin is a long way. It's not a long way from the Twin Cities, but it's about two and a half hours. And uh, he's got a, he's got a he's got a compound, not a cabin. It's a compound. There you go. And nothing's hey. happened there. You know, we could use a little bit of levity right now, and we'll get to the serious stuff in a second. I know I shared a story with you yesterday. It was the only time I ever got a really good line in uh, as a fan at a game, and it involved a number one overall pick in the draft by the name of Bobby Smith. Should I go ahead and tell a story? It's it's PG-13. It's not politically incorrect in any way. Should I go for it? What do you think? Uh, it's your show. If we get fired, then we'll just blame you. There we go. Uh, uh, Bobby Smith rolled in with the Minnesota North Stars and had gotten in a fight in a previous game and had two black eyes. And I was sitting probably row four or five behind the Minnesota bench. Back then, there was short glass. And a buddy of mine, uh, Darren Hamilton, who had gone to Harry Henley with me, had uh, taken me to the game. It might have even been a preseason game. It was I know it was earlier in the year. And Bobby came skating to the bench, and it was dead quiet uh, in uh, Northlands Coliseum. And he comes skating to the bench, and that was the. It was at the time that the Grecian Formula commercial was very popular in Canada with Rocket Richard. And Rocket had uh, used Grecian to dye his hair darker. This is before, uh, you know, guys like me cheated and used uh, Cover 5 as product. And the the line was he was being, a, uh, the Rocket Richard was officiating a game and one of the, like an, an old-timers game or something. And one of the players said, hey, Rocket, two minutes for looking so good. So Bobby is coming to the bench. He's got two black eyes. It's dead quiet. And I'm like, I couldn't resist it. I was four rows up, and I have a loud voice, and I just said, hey, Bobby, two minutes for looking so good. And the whole Minnesota bench turned around and started laughing. Now, that's when you get, because they, they were familiar with the commercial, that's when you get a good uh, cut in, when the boys the boys give you a little bit of a, you know, any, uh, a little bit of a thumbs up for that one, because it was, it, it was polite, it wasn't too rude, it was kind of funny. And Smith just looked up and kind of shook his head. So that was uh, 
I don't know why. I guess I thought of that because you were number one pick. You didn't play long with Bob. Did he not get traded right after you got drafted number one in the draft in 83? Uh, not right after, but within a year, Bobby did. He, uh, Bobby wanted to be traded back then at that time was my understanding as a young player. Um, he went on to Montreal and had great success. He was a great player. He's a terrific guy. Obviously owns Halifax and the WHL now, which is a very nice business for him. Yeah. I might add, uh, just a sharp guy. He would have laughed at that. Those are great stories because fans may not know it, but when the bench notices something like that, and there's a lot of instances, it tends to come up later, maybe not in the heat of the moment of a game. And it's generally very funny if it doesn't come up in the locker room, it usually comes up the next morning at the morning stretch at center ice when some smart aleck will yell, hey, Bobby, looking good. Yeah. So th- those are great stories. And they are PG, so it's always nice to, to tell that one. One thing about Edmonton, two things shocked me about that story. Number one, I felt like I played Edmonton seven exhibition games a year when I was with the North Stars. It was just crazy. We always played Edmonton in the exhibition season. So it might have been. And number two, uh, buildings were so different back then with the low glass. You could yep. hear a pin drop when it quieted down. You could hear someone yelling from the 40th row in between whistles sometimes. Clear as day as a player. Not a, not all of it always PG rated, I might add. And it ha- you know, I, I, I know I referenced this on Twitter, Brian, uh, earlier in the week. Ryan Jones, who was you know i remember uh steve hall taylor hall's dad telling me on a dad's trip that kid is funny he's a funny guy the oilers were in playing in long island and where the players vacate the ice the islanders had won three two might have been the game that taylor hall scored two goals in eight seconds uh anyhow edmonton was vacating the ice and the you know the fans were just giving it to the Oilers. you losers you guys suck and ryan jones looked up at the fans and said dad I asked you not to follow us on the road. And there was, there was, there was, just, there was just silence, right? And then they started cheering and clapping because it was, what do you say after that, right? So, so did, did you have a couple guys that were really qu- uh, quick with comebacks, either uh, that you played with along the way on the ice against opposition players or conversely with fans when they were needling them a bit? Uh, everything that you just mentioned. I, I mean, I heard some incredible things, and, you know, most things are said in jest. I remember Mo Mantha got traded to Minnesota. He met us on the road. He got traded for, I don't know, Mark Napier or somebody. And one of the guys stands up, and Mo came into, like, a team meal we were having. And he says, hey, I'm Mo Mantha. I just got traded for Napier. And the guy stands up and says, well, who else is with you? <laughs> just dead silence. <laughs> and Mo's like, well, it's just me. It's me for Mark or whatever. And the guy's like, oh, okay. And he said, no. <laughs> I mean, some of the attempts at humor are funny. Some of them are across the line. Uh, some of them are in the middle. But there are all kinds of characters. And, and there's tons of camaraderie that goes on with a winning team. But when you're on a team that maybe isn't winning as consistently as you'd like, there's usually some things like that behind the scenes that do affect how the team performs. And 
you know, now having retired, played in the league for 500 games, you kind of can wrap your head around that stuff. It's very hard to do when you're playing, especially when you're a younger player, especially in today's game. When you look at how many young players a team like the Edmonton Oilers has, um, you know, how do you know when not to cross that line? Some guys do inherently, others don't. But uh, this year in the playoffs for the Edmonton Oilers, I think it's going to be an incredible learning experience for them. I know they have to play in to get in the playoffs, but the entire process will be incredible for this group. Because I've told you this before, Bob, I still believe if the Edmonton Oilers don't win a Stanley Cup in the next five years, it will be a failure uh, on the organization's part. I really believe that. Okay. Uh, well, I think that's. The, I think the majority of our fans think they should have already won a Stanley Cup in the last five years, and the strategy coming out of the 2017 second-round playoff loss to Anaheim might have played a factor. Some would say the moves in 2015 and 16, uh, taking away some depth options, played a factor as well. Just before we get to the here and now, as a former agent, I mean, you kind of brought it up there. Uh, some guys inherently know how to handle situations. That's, you know, think of when you played, if there was social media. And I just want to, you know, you represent, you're the driver for Octagon. They've got, you know, they've got Leon Dreisaitl. they got Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Um, But that said, how would you advise players today with Twitter, Instagram, specific to social commentary? It's Because, you know what, for, for some guys, it's almost like you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. If you don't say something quite the the, the right way, somebody's going to drill you for that. If you don't say anything at all, especially in light of what's happening in the U.S. right now, there's criticism. What would your advice be as a prominent NHL agent for a number of years, Brian? My advice now would be, first of all, I I can't not comment on what's going on because it is kind of a paradigm shift happening right in front of everybody's eyes this week in terms of players speaking up. Generally, Bob, I, I might disagree with what you just said in terms of damned if you do, damned if you don't. In the past, uh, a lot of our greatest players, a lot of players in general, haven't said much. And right. you were kind of coached. Certainly when I played, you were coached to keep your mouth shut and toe the line and just do your job. The world is different today uh, with social media. I love what's going on now. I, I've never seen so much openness from so many players. I've asked a bunch of guys, is somebody directing you to speak up? Are you being asked by the club? by your general manager, your coach, your your ownership group, anybody to say something at this time because it's so different than it's been in the past. Even I've been surprised by it, and I have not found anybody to say, well, yeah, you know, we kind of, you know, we the organization would like us to do it. it it's the right thing to do. I, I think guys and people in general are just at a boiling point where, You know, the death of George Floyd here in Minneapolis was insane. To have that, you know, photographed, videotaped on TV, it's just, it's insane. And I think people have just had enough. And we're probably really only in the second or third inning of some change that's coming. Uh, But it's been a long time coming. And it feels different now. Players are speaking up like I've never seen before. It's incredible. Right. I'm I'm so thankful for it. Sidney Crosby said Sid hasn't said anything. You know, he's the perfect hockey player though. He eats, sleeps and drinks hockey 
and he's all about winning. But he has spoken up. Uh, Jonathan Taves, people that just really haven't had a lot to say. Uh, Evander Kane, obviously, and Akeem Malou speaking up together. But P.K. Subban, guys like that have been kind of carrying the torch alone. And now I see other people doing it, and I think it's incredible. I think it's sincere. Uh, I think it's going to help with change. It's not going to be the driver. Everybody needs to help. Um, but in the end, we definitely are are seeing a shift. I have some of my own thoughts. I haven't said as much as maybe some people might think, not because I don't care, just because I'm taking it all in. Yep. And I have a platform to say things on NHL tonight, and I generally wait for that stuff. It's not so much social media for me, even though I am on social media and active. But uh, I, I'm really taking notice of what's happening, and I don't think it's going to – these things have happened before, and essentially for people that are struggling with racism, it's just kind of wash, rinse, and repeat, and it's just continued to go on and on and on, and I, I really, truly believe people have finally said that's enough. We're not going to wash, rinse, and repeat again. We're not going to be in the same spot two years from now or five years from now or ten years from now. And I hope at the bottom of my heart that that is true because the world is ready for it. I don't care if you're gay, transgender, black, white, yellow. People are people. I look for good and bad in people. And I know good people from certain uh, races, tendencies, sexual, whatever it is. I don't care. I just judge people on the qualities of them. And I think if everybody can get there someday, we will be a much, much better society. So that's well, all I have to say, Bob. Not much. Oh, uh, you nailed it. Did a great job there. All right. Uh, did, so we'll translate that into another thing that could be a factor for the National Hockey League. Uh, you said we're in the second inning of this. We don't know how long these protests are going to go for. I think we're all for peaceful protests, and we're all against, you know, looting and opportunism as a result of this. Uh, that said, do you think that this can anywhere potentially factor in any decisions for the NHL regarding return to play or, or even, you know, potentially in pod locations? I, I, I think it would be hard to ignore by the NHL. I think they've been very cognizant of all things through this pandemic. This is something that, you know, again, uncharted territory. Uh, I would have thought that Minnesota was a leading uh, potential hub along with an Edmonton and some of the other ones that seem to stand out for different reasons. But uh, I think it'd be hard to ignore this. Uh, we still have time. Yep. But um, I just, I, I do see it affecting the process. I really do. And I think it's a, a negative. We, we've been embarrassed here in Minneapolis by what happened, obviously, just as a society, a community. Everybody has taken some responsibility uh, it, it's been horrific. Um, people don't know. I have a good friend that's reporting on this from the sports world, and I've been bugging him to take me out as his cameraman one of these nights to go down there. My wife thinks I'm crazy. I just think it's such an important time in the history of the world what's happening here. But there's been a lot of things that are very, very uh, difficult for Minnesotans to swallow because there's a lot of really great things about Minnesota 
this hasn't boded, boded well for them at all. All right, we're going to switch focus. We're joined right now uh, by Brian Lawton from the NHL Network. Uh, of course, uh, was GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, an ace agent uh, back uh, with Octagon. Speaking of Octagon, Rick Follett represents Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Ryan has, uh, dare I say, in the back half of this uh, season, uh, almost been reborn as a winger. And his productivity when he has been a winger, what, regardless of when he's played with one Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl or two of the five best players in the world, Ryan has at even strength been a first-line uh, player as a winger in the NHL. His his contract is up in 2021. So the question I have for you, he's, he's made $6 million a year in a seven-year deal. Uh, what would be fair for an extension for RNH, in your opinion? And, again, you're a former agent for the company that's going to be repping him. Uh, yes, and I worked with Rick, and he's a very, very bright guy. And I know Ryan. He's a terrific human being, and he's done an awesome job of continuing to build his career and doing whatever's been asked of him. Uh, defensively, you know, Ryan just doesn't get the credit he deserves for how responsible he is as a player. I think that Ken Holland, Dave Tippett, I know, recognizes that from him. Um, when you get to that position, you're generally in the driver's seat. Rick is going to come up with a couple of different paths, I'm certain, for Ryan. Uh, he's not going to be able to ignore the current environment in terms of what's going on with the salary cap. That may put a little damper on the expectations. When it's all said and done, uh, Ryan is first going to have to make the decision because you go to your player and you ask them this, what's more important? Do you want more term or are, you, are we looking for the highest bid? Or are you just perhaps interested in playing somewhere else? Because that is an option that's obviously open to players when they get to this stage of their careers. I've never heard that about Ryan Hop uh, Nugent Hopkins. I've never heard that he doesn't love playing in Edmonton. So that might surprise me if that were the case. But that's the process that you go through. If it is a shorter-term deal, I think Ryan has a chance to get a higher salary. He's making $6 million coming off a six-year deal. Uh, certainly been a favorable deal for him starting to really, you know, turn to the Oilers' favor at the back half, favored him in the beginning. That's the way you want it to work. I would be shocked if he, uh, if he wants a long-term deal. I think it would probably be a number that's disappointing to Ryan. I I'd be less surprised if it's a shorter-term deal, and it's not significantly higher, and that's not because Ryan's performance hasn't been excellent. It's just by virtue of the uncertainty with the salary cap that we may have to reprice players. So are we like, okay, so hypothetically, let's say he gets a seven-year extension. Do you think it would be north of $7 million a year? If he gets a seven-year extension, I think it's going to start with a six, and that'll shock a lot of people, but that will have to do more with the stagnation, and I, I, we're not going to see any regression from what we know of the salary cap, but if we went just off of revenues for certainly this past year, we already know how short we are. We already know what that effect would be. The true salary cap number would be in the high 60s, next year if you just went by the letter of the law you're not going to see that happen right i think both sides are in agreement on that um but it's not just this year it's next year as well 
you know, what what are the revenues going to end up being this year? How's it going to affect next year and the year after? So I, I just don't think I don't think Alex Petrangelo, Taylor Hall are going to hit grand slams this offseason. I think they're going to have to wait until we have more certainty in the future if they want those big long-term deals. I'd put Ryan Nugent Hopkins in that category as well. It's funny. I had the conversation about Taylor Hall maybe just doing a one-year deal somewhere where he can uh, boost up some numbers. That might make the most sense. Um, great stuff, Brian. Appreciate it. We got Dave Tippett coming up next. So you said his uh, his compound needed a lot of work. Is that right? His compound, he was doing a lot, a lot of cleaning yesterday. At the compound. There was a oh. lot of machinery going on. Hopefully he'll have the courtesy, at least when he talks to you guys, turn the power washer off all right well we'll try to get to that uh, shortly here we appreciate your time take uh, take care have a good week brian <laughs> thank you very much you bet it's twelve fifty four in edmonton bob stoffer with you in orders now we'll take a quick two minute timeout hi i'm darnell nurse from the edmonton oilers and you're listening to oilers now with bob stoffer on 6 30 chet thanks a lot darnell to the ashley fine floors text line at 12.56 in Edmonton, Bob Stopper with you again. Oilers head coach Dave Tippett at 105. Bob, not a chance the Oilers win a cup in the next five years, says Al. Uh, they've got more holes on the blue line than Swiss cheese. I'll go on record and say the Leafs or the Canucks are the closest in Canada. I don't expect you to read this because I don't spin the same old narrative as Oilers now. That one comes to us uh, from Al. Well, thank you, um, Al. Uh, you're entitled to your opinion. Uh, John Short used to say you have the Democratic uh, right to be right. You know what? The Leafs could win in the next five years. Vancouver could win in the next five years. Edmonton could win in the next five years. In this salary cap era, uh, there are opportunities for multiple organizations to win. Anybody see St. Louis winning the Stanley Cup last season in December of 2018? Anybody see that happening? I don't think so. So things can turn around. Uh, you can uh, text us at 780-496-0063 on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Several of you commenting again. Uh, Jamie says, uh, any celebrities that uh, talk are in a tough spot. If they speak, they get blasted. If they stay silent, they get blasted. It's a lose-lose situation. I know a lot of you were very positive about uh, George LaRock's. Uh, perspective on things. Dave Tippett coming up. Uh, we will tell you that all season long on Oilers Now, we have the Oilers Now injury report for James H. Brown injury lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Trent Brown and uh, Jim Brown, the gang of James H. Brown, they want you to stay safe and stay positive. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Oilers head coach Dave Tippett when we return on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.